Fan, the ultimate DIY pro wrestling podcast created by fans for the fans. This is episode 97, and drumroll please, it is the start of year three of our podcast, boys. Congratulations, I'm so proud of you both. We've got another action-packed show lined up for you. I'm your host and the grumpy old-school wrestling fan, collector, barber, and musician, talk wrestling, Tim Gilbert. And I'm your host, the Architect of Pro Wrestling Podcast, Funko Pop Collector, Steelers fan, Booker Andy. I am also your host, the No Selling Wrestling Indie fan and footballer, Jeremy. All right, guys. Well, we got a great show today. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, we're going to be starting with some sad news. Uh, we're going to be talking about Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. But then we're going to pick up the uh, vibes a little bit, be talking about All In. And then we're going to have to bring it back down again, talking about uh, CM Punk and Jungle Boy Jack Perry getting suspended because of their backstage altercation. So it is a up and down show. A lot of it was a weird week in wrestling. A lot of stuff happened. Um, before we start this week's episode, go to youtube.com backslash the PW fan pod. Comment, like, and subscribe. Really helps us out, helps us uh, get more views, get on people's home pages. And uh, just gets more visibility for us all around. If you go to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash the PW fan, we got five different merch designs. We're going to get a year three uh, shirt going soon. And then the one I've been talking about, Jeremy's special Jeremy shirt. Um, but when I, anytime someone wears one of these out in the wild, you, you know, you're basically our street team out in the world wearing that logo. So the ground roots, ground roots mu- movement, and uh, we really appreciate anybody who buys a T-shirt. Uh, for all other social media, you just look up at the PW fan. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, leave a review, all that stuff wherever you like to find us. And stick around to the end of the show where we'll be talking about my classic show of the week. All right, before I pass it over to Andy and we start talking about a bunch of stuff, uh, I wanted to take a moment myself to uh, remember the late, great Terry Funk, who we just recently lost uh, last week. Uh, and we did also tragically lose... Bray Wyatt this week, and uh, that's going to be a big focal point of today's show is Bray Wyatt passing, but before we get into Bray, I wanted to make sure that we give the legendary Terry Funk some respect on this show, because uh, I don't want his death to be overlooked, so being the old school wrestling fan that I am, I wanted to bring you some, accoli- some accolades of the Funker himself, alright, if you guys don't mind. And I got them all ready here to go. So, first of all, for the NWA Heavyweight Championship, Funk won this title twice in 1975 and in 1977. The ECW World Heavyweight Championship, he played a crucial role in popularizing popularizing ECW and won the ECW World Heavyweight Championship in 1997. Uh, For tag team, he... uh, Won the titles with his brother Dory Funk Jr. and Cactus Jack McFoley. He's a hardcore icon, helped pioneer the hardcore wrestling style, gaining a reputation for his brutal and intense matches. Uh, and he did a lot of work in death matches in Japan as well. So not only could this guy work and do great old school wrestling, he also was a pioneer for some of the stuff that you know people like with John Moxley and even some of the stuff I don't like. Uh, you know, he uh, introduced a lot of ideas like the empty arena match and per- participated in the first ever barbed wire match. Uh, the longevity of his career is remarkable, 
and uh, he even wrestled several decades into his latter years. In 2009, he was inducted uh, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, overall, Terry Funk's career is marked by his versatility, innovation, and impact on the wrestling landscape, making one of the mo- him mo- one of the most respected and memorable figures in sports history. Uh, thank you for everything, Terry. Pro wrestling would not be as big as it is today uh, without people like Terry Funk and the Funk family paving the way and uh, literally, literally creating what you see today. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that they were properly thanked at the top of the show uh, because I know we're going to be talking a lot about Bray, but Terry Funk, very important to pro wrestling, and this is a pro wrestling show. It's just something that I felt like I had to talk about. But Terry, rest in peace. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you for everything that you did for pro wrestling. Andy, I'm going to pass it over to you. We got a heavy rest of the show, man. There's a lot going on. Pay-per-views, more passing. So, um, so yeah, I believe Terry Funk passed. And then the next day, um, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, ended up passing away. Um, before we get more into that, I want to go over some of Bray's accomplishments. Um, he was a one-time WWE champion. If you guys remember, he won it 2017 Elimination Chamber. Um, he was a two-time Universal Champion. I believe both were as his Fiend character and the Bray Wyatt, like, Firefly Funhouse. Um, that's when he would have, like, the Fiend Championship look. Uh, he was a one-time WWE Raw Tag Team Champion with Matt Hardy. And then a one-time WWE SmackDown tab- Tag Team Champion with Luke Harper a.k.a. Brody Lee, and uh, Randy Orton. I guess during that time, as the group, they, like, switched off who held it. Because it was, like, a... Yeah, because they had the, the three. three of them. Yeah. Um, and I also read that he was a... It was, like, Superstar of the Year, or at the WWE Year-End Re- Awards. One year. I don't know if that's still... that used to be a thing yeah, in they WWE. Used to, they used to, like, do, like, year-end winner matches and stuff. I remember that. Um, so I wasn't... I was kind of away from wrestling when he first came onto the scene, but... Um, I, so did he start in FCW, or was it NXT then? No, it was... Uh, it so was he FCW, started, but it FC, turned into NXT. Yeah, FCW turned into NXT. He started all the way back with Seth, and, I mean, there's... And Roman, literally anybody that you can think of that's a main. So event he was guy, one of right? Dusty's kids. Yeah, yeah, he was one of those guys. He, all these, all the generation of wrestlers that we see right now on the main roster, and a lot of the AEW guys, you know, were this was a really hard loss for all of them. And I mean, obviously, it's the it's still, worst. For it still his doesn't feel children, real, but yeah, like the more I think about zero. it. Um, so what he started as uh, kind of like the uh, Bayou Swamp, yeah, like the cult leader character. That was probably my yeah. favorite. Like, uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Um, what do they call it? Like, it was an introduction to him when they did like that documentary style footage, and they like went to the swamp area. So that was your favorite. Like, that was like the coolest one. And then the it w- favorite incarnation of the incarnation. Character. Yeah. Cause then also like like I don't even remember when he came to Raw and he was like you know they were heels, but like the way he was talking and like the things he was saying like people started cheering him over time. It was it was cool to watch. So after that, I believe he what became the Eater of Worlds kind of character, which wasn't that far off from the 
like the cult leader. A yeah. little bit, just character. a little bit more supernatural, a little bit of alterations yeah. to certain things. He lost the uh, Hawaiian shirt and went more with like a, uh, a scarier look, I guess you could say. Yeah. He got rid of the, he's got the whole world in his hands at that time, right? Like he stopped saying it as much. Yeah, I think that was like. I think he stopped saying it. he would still come out with a lantern. Like uh, there was a lot of the stuff that he kept from the previous. Yeah. It was more of like an evolution of the previous. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Um, and then he he went away for a little bit. We didn't see him for a while. Uh, and then he would come back as the fiend, which was got over very quickly. Finn Balor being his first opponent. Uh, for the fiend, which that'll play into later in the show when we get to SmackDown, um, and then he got released uh, a couple years later. And when he came back, I don't even know what to call the gimmick, just besides calling him Bray Wyatt. Yeah, well, remember when we first came back that first night? He was like, "This is just me. It was just Bray." Yeah, and you know what? What sucks, like. Uh, just in a in a opinion of his wrestling character, yeah. is that I think he was trying to make a comeback with everything that was going on, and maybe we would have been able to find out what, yeah, it would have gotten to. Just like you know your shirt, Uncle Howdy, we would have found out about him. But yeah, who who we know now was uh, Bo Dallas all the time. Yeah, um, underneath a mask. Did they officially say which that? means? Um, yeah, okay, which so also means that you know what? What pay per view did uh, they wrestle it? It was the one he was um, most recent one that Bray, Bray White was at. What with LA Knight? Yeah, right. That was the Rumble. Yeah, the Rumble. That's where Uncle Howdy dove off the thing. Yeah, so yeah. that was that was Bray's final opponent was LA Knight. Yeah, so was, yeah. I just wanted that to, was his final match. I just wanted to say though, it, I mean, it, it, if we're if we're judging things in wrestling time, which is kind of like its own thing. So the last time we saw Bray Wyatt really was when the Uncle Howdy dove off and did the stuff with L.A. Knight. Well, I was thinking about this. I think the last time we saw him on TV, not in person, though, and I don't like that this is the last thing we saw of him on TV, but he was feuding with Bobby, and he did, like, an exercise video that was, like, silly Firefly Funhouse kind of thing. Yeah, I remember that. But it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't in person because they were supposed to feud at Mania. And then um, I guess I can go into what happened. But um, in March 2023, he uh, would end up getting COVID and would develop heart complications. Um, this caused him to have a weak lower part of his heart. That's in quotes. Um, and so, okay, so then I'll just keep going. Just a week before he died, uh, he was hospitalized for a heart issue. He had a follow-up appointment with doctors the morning he died and was advised to continue to wear an an external heart defibrillator, um, a device designed to treat people experiencing sudden cardiac arrest. Um, so... That day he died, he told his fiance he was going to take a nap, and she became concerned when she heard his alarm going off about an hour later without stopping. The report says Wyndham was discovered in his bed, not breathing, and was turning blue. 
Uh, his fiance called 911, and her mother attempted CPR, but he was later pronounced dead at the hospital. Um, so that device, uh, it says, while it remains uncertain whether the device could have potentially saved Bray Wyatt's life, investigators established that uh, he wasn't wearing the defibrillator at the time of his passing. They discovered it inside his vehicle, which was parked in his driveway. And so I was telling Jeremy before the show, I've heard a lot of times that, you know, if it's not the typical symptoms of a heart attack where it's like obvious, a lot of people, um, I believe, get very tired. And so I think that's what happened with him and he wanted to lay down. And basically they're saying he died in his sleep. Um, it's super sad and still... It's just, it's just still crazy to me. It, it, I've told you guys, it feels a lot like I remember where I was and everything when I found out uh, Eddie Guerrero died. And it feels a lot like that as a kid, except for now I'm much older. Um, I don't know about you, Tim and uh, Jeremy. I think I think, I think think the Bray Wyatt one affects us all for a lot of ways. Eddie Guerrero was 38, Bray was 36. So they were both around the same age. Both died of heart attacks. But, yeah, I mean, it it, it was a bummer of a week in wrestling. It ended pretty well, but earlier in the week it was kind of a bummer. So um, let's get let's get going here because we do have a big show covering All In as well as predictions for a – we have a double pay-per-view weekend coming up. So let's get into Raw – Really quick, um, Sami Zayn would end up opening up the show. They were in Quebec uh, this past week. And, of course, the Judgment Day would come out. Uh, and they would have uh, a back and forth between him and Kevin Owens would eventually come out as well and address the crowd and address the new uh, address the Judgment Day. The New Day would defeat Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre, who seemed to be a new tag team, at least temporarily. Chad Gable. All right, I can't say enough about Chad Gable. We've talked about it before. Chad Gable would defeat Gunther in an Intercontinental Championship match. It's on fire. He defeated Gunther in an Intercontinental Championship match, but it was via countout. Uh, therefore, Gunther would retain. Um, I think, and I might I might be correct if I'm looking at it. No, it hasn't been announced yet. So Gunther does not have a match at Payback yet that we still have two more uh, WWE shows to go that it could be announced, including the one tonight, that if it was going to be announced, it would be announced tonight. Um, I think Chad Gable should get a rematch with Gunther and at least have a, a clean, you know, clear decision. Uh, but it was it was a grade A match, very good televised match. Chad Gable, um, it's fantastic, and we all know Gunther uh, is is great as well. Um, so if you hadn't had a chance to watch that match, I would. It was very very good. If you uh, are still unsure about someone like Chad Gable, uh, Rhea Ripley would defeat Candice LeRae, and Nakamura would end up having in, in a sit down interview um, and would end up basically mentioning what he would end up whispering in Rollins' ear the week before, which was that he knows about Rollins' bad back, which apparently is like like a half-truth. Uh, Rollins does have back issues. Um, so it basically he, he said it to him 
that he knows about it as a threat, you know, almost like he's going to be aiming for it. Uh, Kira Tozawa would defeat The Miz on Raw due to interference with LA Knight. Since The Miz would interfere with LA Knight, uh, I believe, the Friday before. Uh, Becky Lynch was interrupted by Trish and Zoe, and they would get a match set um, once and for all. Hopefully the final one between Trish and Becky in a steel cage match uh, this Saturday at Payback. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven, the now new uh, paired-up team ever since Sonya Deville got hurt. Um, instead of having to relinquish the tag team titles like they've done in the past, Chelsea Green got to keep hers and was paired with Piper Niven, who used to be, if you guys remember, Dewdrop. Uh, Piper Niven was her name in NXT UK. Yep, he has not has not been taken away from him. Because what is hers is his. And what is his is hers. Uh, but they would defeat Caden Carter and Katana Chance. And then our main event was Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens defeating the Judgment Day. Um, overall, I thought it was a good show. And again, sorry that I'm going through these shows kind of quickly. Um, anything to add, Tim? I did want to add in that the reason why we are going through the shows quickly this week is because we are not a show, you know, that goes on. We're not a three, three and a half hour show. We're, we're an hour long show. So, uh, you know, and, Maybe one day we need, hey, you guys, we need help. We need help from the people, our, from our soldiers out there, right? The PW soldiers. But uh, <laughs> PW Club for, for, for life. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, Andy's going to have to uh, get through some of this stuff because we just have, with the unfortunate passings and all in and then all out, coming next week it's just a big show so maybe one day on. if we can make this be our job guys we need more listeners yeah. and we need every we need a lot of stuff a lot of pro wrestling if i, I can't believe be like if job. you had told 13 and 10 year old or 11 year old you and 13 year old me that hey you're gonna be doing this podcast and you're gonna <sighs> have to watch like an insane amount of wrestling i'd be like i will first of all i wouldn't even know what that meant i wouldn't know what a podcast was but <laughs> Payback and all out next week. I gotta do predictions, and I don't even know if the cards are finished. Yes. But I was all tangled up in yes. my wires, like a puppet in strings. Yeah, it wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even a thought. I don't think at that time. Um, all right, you ready to get into Dynamite? Which um, AEW this week was go home shows. So, um, <laughs> so uh, the Elite uh, would end up facing the Bullet Club Gold, but it would end in a no contest. Um, Renee and MJF would have an interview. Um, talking about MJF and Adam Cole's match coming up. John Moxley would defeat Ray Phoenix, who was supposed to be a part of Stadium Stampede, but um, he could not travel there, so they kind of 
did what they do and they took him out of the picture. Um, but we also had a returning Santana and Ortiz to join the Blackpool Combat Club side. Um, so it makes me wonder if Ray would have been able to go. Who would the other man for um, the Blackpool Combat Club side be? Um, unless they always knew this and there was just their way of making it seem like Ray Phoenix was going to be on it. But um, Santana and Ortiz returned and haven't seen them, especially Santana in a long time. Though apparently their issues are still not resolved from what I've read from numerous um, websites. But they are able to get along for now it, it, and get things I will, done. I will say... I will say when we get into the show, it did look like the vibes were off a little bit, as they say. They weren't yeah. wearing any like matching gear. They no. were looking very separate. No, very but they didn't different. avoid each other like the like blood and guts match from like a year ago or whatever, um, which right. I think was like the last time we saw Santana because they weren't actually near each other for a lot of the spots in the ring. But I don't think well, they actually did something got, together. It, it, it's got to be a tough spot to be in, right? Kind of like a band where, let's say that you're you're in a band, and uh, I love my band members, but this is a hypothetical. Let's say uh, you're in a band, and you know that together you guys make great music, and people like it, so that way Habits you make money, and you have a good career. But then you're also like, well, I hate this guy. But you have to do it. And yeah. so it's it's got to be a tough spot to be a wrestler, and you're like... I don't want to be a tag team with this guy, but I'm more relevant and make more money when I am in a tag team with this guy. You know, what I mean? everyone it's, works with people they don't like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean that's an intimate relationship, it's like being your tag yeah. team partner and like traveling and doing all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you, it's it's different, I guess, if you're a single star, <laughs> but if you're a tag team partner, you're going to be doing and being paired together for everything. Um, Jericho and Will Ospreay would have their contract signing. Uh, Renee Paquette and Adam Cole would then have an interview to talk about the upcoming match with MJF at All In. Nick Wayne and Darby Allen would defeat AR Fox and Swerve Strickland. And Ruby Soho would defeat Sky Blue. And our main event was Aussie Open defeating the Hardys for the ROH uh, to retain the ROH Tag Team Championships. Not that the Hardys could have won anyway because Jeff can't travel, but um, Aussie Open would retain and would still end up facing uh, Adam Cole and MJF at all in. That wraps up Dynamite. Anything to add, Tim? Um, no, I actually don't. Uh, I, I mean, I guess with the Jeff Hardy thing, it's like one of those things where it's like we kind of knew he wasn't going to be able to travel, so. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you all are watching, or I guess listening too, because you haven't heard him talking a little bit, Jeremy's having internet problems, so he was not, and he might come back. It might just be me and Tim. I wish he was here for this next part, because we're going to be talking about the SmackDown Bray Wyatt, yeah. Terry Funk tribute show. Um, yeah, and if you notice, and you know, Jeremy's Jeremy's a hell of an editor, and he does editing like that for a living. If but if you for whatever for for whatever reason besides me stuttering, 
you notice any choppiness in the show. It's because we lost Jeremy at one point, then my stuff got disconnected, so we got it all back on track now. But this is too important of a show to try to either do a different time or whatever. So Andy and I are going to carry on, carry the torch. Let's get going, buddy. All right, SmackDown this week, um, it was reported by, I mean, I saw Ringside News, but it was many, many websites that um, the whole plan for SmackDown this week was basically scrapped and postponed to next week, um, as in this coming Friday, because of the passing of mainly, again, unfortunately, Terry Funk's death is going to seem overshadowed by Bray, but... I mean, I believe that I don't, it's bad to say, like, I don't think SmackDown would have scrapped plans because of Terry Funk um, as much of a, you know, important part of wrestling he is. Um, I think Bray Wyatt's passing is more close to home to the people that are working. And that's why. Which is which is why. And, you know, I already talked about it at the top of the show, but I did the big Terry Funk thing because I wanted people to know about Terry Funk because Bray is going to be the bigger deal because of how young he is and you know hey so Jeremy has returned to us uh, Jeremy I was just telling the people at home that our, our our poor boy might have some editing to do we've had a couple mishaps but <laughs> we're, oh boy. We're, we're all back you on made track it just now, in we time just because we're <laughs> yeah sorry we're just talking about Bray Wyatt and Terry Bunk Terry Funk the tribute show. We're oh. just about to start it. We didn't want. You oh, to cool. Miss okay. It, so, nice. Welcome back. Yeah, sorry about that. We haven't even started. <laughs> so, um, so yes, all the plans for SmackDown this week were scrapped, and the show was written as a tribute show. Um, so to to open up the show, um, they have the the in memoriam images of I believe Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, and when the show actually went live, um, everyone that could go out there and, and work or that didn't have to be behind the scenes basically was out on stage, not just the superstars. Um, and they did a 10 bell salute. Um, they announced that Bray Wyatt had passed and they showed a very, very good, in my opinion, at least you guys can add your own uh, video package for Bray Wyatt. Um, any thoughts on that before I continue? I thought it was good. I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought the was really good. Was great. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody always does um, really good video the salute packages. Was, I mean, the sal- and the salute was sad. I mean, it always is yeah. sad anytime they have to do that. Now, did they do the Terry Funk package after this whole 10 bell salute? I feel like they did. but They did it later on, didn't they? Well, when they came back from the video package, then the lights would dim, and the gr- I know there was one at some point, so I don't want that to, you know, not be said. SmackDown did do a Terry Funk video package. I just don't remember exactly where it was. But when they came back from the video package, the crowd was chanting, um, he's got the whole world in his hands, correct? Yeah. Uh, yes, the crowd was chanting, he's got the whole world in his hands. And the lights were dimmed, and there was a spotlight on Bray Wyatt's rocking chair at the top of the ramp. 
Um, some faces that we saw that maybe we haven't seen in a little while was Braun Strowman, who I believe has been hurt uh, and now with injury. He was at the front of the stage, and so was Eric Rowan. They brought him back in just for the night. Um, so that was a nice, nice touch. Um, so after that, our opening match was saw uh, us see Rey Mysterio defeating Grayson Waller. And then um, there was our first of, I believe, like six, maybe, uh, Bray Wyatt vignettes throughout the night. It was different parts of his career. You could scan the QR code and watch the full videos. Um, some of them being his return. Um, the first, I think, vignette with the the whole cult leader gimmick. Um, his win at Elimination Chamber when he first became champion. Just stuff like that. Um, then we had another match. Io Sky would end up defeating Zelina Vega. And Cody Rhodes would come I just, out. I I know Sorry. I know we're cruising through the show. I know we're cruising through the show, but you know, whether you love him or hate him, and this is what, you know uh, uh you know, I feel bad that I always bring these guys up as reference, but even uh, you know, two harsh critics like Corny and uh, Brian Lass, like whether you don't like him or you loved him, like there's never gonna be another Bray Wyatt. Like there's never gonna be somebody that did what he did. Like it's almost like the Heath Ledger, like Kurt Cobain kind of like he had that thing, and no one else can do that thing. Only he could do it. Well said. Um, sorry, guys, trying to figure out where I was at, but no, that 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 was well said, Tim. Um, so Cody Rhodes, who normally is on Raw, um, came out, and this was kind of the main Terry Funk part of the show, but he came out to pay tribute to one of his dad, Dusty Rhodes' uh, greatest rivals, and um, you know. He, he paid tribute with respect and admiration, you know, that you would kind of expect from someone who has been in the wrestling business, basically since he was born or been around the wrestling business, I should say. Um, he would tell a story about being in the airport with his dad and uh, Terry Funk came up and uh, called him an egg-sucking dog. Um, and so he just had, he had a lot of nice things to say about Terry Funk. And so that was the, the focal point of Cody Rhodes's segment during this. Uh, right after that, though, we would have a Terry Funk hardcore tag team match with Street Profits ultimately defeating the Brawling Brutes of Rich Holland and uh, Butch. And then we would have our main event, um, which would be LA Knight versus Finn Balor, LA Knight being Bray's last match. And last completed feud. And that was a nice way to Finn do it. Balor, yeah, and Finn Balor being Bray's first match as the Fiend. But before that started, Ellie Knight had a, had a nice promo talking about Bray. Um, I mean there were there was a lot, but he, basically he credited Bray for preparing him for the push um, that was to come to him in 2023 while preserving the feud um, that the two engaged in for, for a long time. Uh, some quotes he was saying was, sometimes our greatest foes can be our greatest helpers. 
And he said he was getting me ready for anything. And since he is feuding with The Miz right now, he would end his promo on Bray saying, and Miz, as a wise man once told me, next time you see me, and then the camera would zoom in on his face, he would say, run. And then uh, it would cut before coming back to the actual match. So I thought thought that was a, you know, cool thing that, that they did. Uh, LA Knight oh, would end up so sad. It's cool. It's just God, dude. Anytime yeah. it's like I can't believe he's gone, man. So LA Knight would end up defeating Balor, but the way that the show actually ended was um, I don't know how to describe it, but you remember when the fiend and like the everything would be like woo, 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 and like the it was like a computer shutting off kind of thing and all powering down that that whole sound would happen in the arena and the lights would go dark and smoke would go into the ring. And then it ended with everyone holding up their phones, you know, for the fireflies and a lantern was in the ring lit up in a dark arena and smoke coming around it. And, you know, uh, it went off the air with thank you, Bray chance. Yeah. In a weird way, it was like, almost like I was expecting him to come out like at the end, even though obviously he wasn't, because like, like, you're so you're so accustomed yeah. to like hearing that, and then it's like, oh, break. Yeah. But that was a nice way to end it, though. Yeah. Um, anything to add before we get into collision, really quick? I didn't cover Rampage no. this week. I watched Rampage, but I didn't think there was anything. Probably, probably for the best. Yeah, there's nothing on Rampage. Just two quick things from Rampage. Again, like I said, AEW this week was go home. Show. Collision. Um, Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, and Penta. Oh, sorry, Collision. Eddie Kingston, Orange Cassidy, and Penta would end up defeating Butcher Blade and Kip Sabian. Um, Eddie Kingston would end up running to the back at the end and cut a promo on the while he was looking for the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, he would end up coming in a promo. And I like how he ended it. He went through every member of Blackpool Combat Club and saying what he was going to do to them. Um, but he would end up saying something about Claudio, and he's like, Claudio, because we all know how he actually feels he about Claudio. Him. He said, Claudio, he said, he said I'm going to save you for last. He's like, basically, I, th- I don't know if he used this term, but it means the same thing as what he was trying to say. He said, you're my swan song. Like, yeah, he did say like, I'm going to let you burn. Something like that. Yeah. I saw, I saw people. Great. I don't know. You would just have to. I can't do it justice. But yeah. It, I saw people joking really on Twitter like of like, they're like, can someone tell um, Andy Kingston then, that it's fake? So the main event of Collision, though, was Hook teaming up with Sting, Darby Allin, and CM Punk. And they would end up defeating Brian Cage, Jay White, Swerve Strickland, and Lucha Soros. Um, that wraps up Collision and all of our weekly shows. If you guys don't have anything to add, we can jump straight into All In. All In. Well, let's go. Okay. Before we get started, it was the, according to attendance, 81,035 paid tickets. Tony Khan, during the press conference, said there was a, like a 1,000 or so comped tickets and then you know you also had people working there so he said for people in the building it was probably about close to 90,000 
but I l- believe for paid tickets, it was the biggest wrestling show even past WWE in history. That's insane, isn't it? Am I wrong? Isn't that what was said? I believe that's that right. It was. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but biggest wrestling wrestling event in history. According to them. Well, yeah. No, that's right. WWE's WWE's not gonna be want to be topped. Yeah. So I can see a Wembley mania in the future. Let's just say that. Um, there were two main matches on the zero hour of the card. And I'll start with the first one. There was some stuff that was done, but I wouldn't consider them matches. It was more like segments. But Adam Cole and MJF versus Aussie Open for the ROH Tag Team Championships. Um, this match, quality-wise, could have been on the main card. It was I thought it was very good. I did not think they would win, win because of the main event, but MJF and Adam Cole are the new ROH Tag Team Champions. So, uh, any thoughts on the match, or just keep plowing forward? I didn't, I didn't see it coming either. Like, I, I had no, I didn't, I had no idea what they were going to do, but I didn't think they were going to win. Um, now this next match, though, I did not get a chance to see. Jeremy might have to take the take the wheel with this one, but. Um, it was also in the zero hour. It was Hook versus Jack Perry for the FTW Championship. Hook would end up winning. Jeremy, what you think of the match? How was it? It wasn't. It Be wasn't honest. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Uh, this is the most I've seen Hook get beat up though, um, in like in a match at all. Um, but yeah, obviously there was like, I guess we'll just cover it now. The stupid moment during this match where jack perry they're by a car with with hook and he points at the glass and knocks on it and he looks at the camera and says this is real glass and he said cry me a river basically referring to punk when they had the argument so i don't know what six weeks ago seven weeks ago now um which then prompts the whole thing i guess andy can talk about afterwards but like basically hook wins at the end uh he throws jack perry into the glass and then um yeah, he kind of does his sleeper, then he wins. So, um, as Jeremy said, that I'll get into it. All right. It's, it's going to be a hot take from us, guys. Hot take. Okay, so Jack Perry, like Jeremy said, um, well, let's start at the beginning. A couple weeks ago, Jack Perry, I believe, against... Rob Van Dam wanted to use real glass in some kind of spot. CM Punk was told to go to Jack Perry and tell him we don't do real glass. That ended up starting a beef between the two. During this match, when they were at the car, Jack Perry would knock on the glass of the car windshield and say, that's real glass. And he would look at the camera and say, cry me a river. A clear shot to CM Punk. Now, before... We get into what happened afterwards. I want to say, who the fuck are you to go out on the biggest wrestling show of all time and talk and give your real opinions about stuff? Like, this is my problem. This shit would never fly. No one would ever think about doing something like that in WWE. 
It wouldn't happen. Triple H would be like, because Vince or Triple H, as soon as you got back through the curtain, would be like either tearing you a new one or just you just know you'd be fired. It would exactly. So like, why, why, like people hate Punk, and it's like he's looking at, he looks at the business like a business, and you going out there thinking you can do and say whatever you want. And this isn't just Jack Perry. There's been other people like Heyman stuff that went into business for themselves and think that they can just go out there like it's some indie show and there's no repercussions. It's like you have, you're on a, uh, on cable TV, you have advertisers, it's a huge business and you're in the biggest wrestling show of all time. And you're just going to go out there and say your shitty opinions and start drama. Like who the fuck are you? But then, but then you got to follow up and tell the people what happened when he got back through the curtain. This is where I know. Goes wrong. So I'm just saying. So the latest report of the many sources that are, you know, talking about it is that so Punk and Samojo were the opening to the to the actual star of the show. So when Jack Perry's match ended, Punk and Joe would be in Gorilla waiting. And apparently when Jack Perry walked by, uh, Punk said, you know, you have something to say? To where they would end up uh, getting into an altercation. Um, did Wait, hang on. Did, did Punk say, do you have something to say? Or did Jack Perry approach Punk first? I've heard mixing reports. What's the report? The latest one is that I heard that he said, do you have something to say? Can you guys... Is there anything you heard differently? That's what I heard. As it says, well. "Okay, here's the laser point that I, I heard found. the same thing." It says Punk was waiting in the gorilla position before the show went live for his match against Samoa Joe. When Perry entered the area, walked up to him. Punk initiated the verbal okay, exchange. So he between... he he walked up to him first. Then he walked so up to even him. Even if Punk, if a guy comes up, think about this scenario. If you're standing there and a guy comes up and gets in your face and is staring at you. What what are you gonna say to him? You're gonna say, "Yeah, you got something to say." No, I, that's I, just I, a normal response. I'm just reporting the reports. <laughs> so, Punk. Okay, so Perry entered the area and walked up to him. Punk initiated the verbal exchange between the two, asking Perry if he had something to say, and the conversation quickly escalated, leading to Perry asking Punk to quote unquote do something about it. This is when Punk shoved Perry. Perry responded by shoving Punk back, and then Punk put him in what is being described as a chokehold. We're told Punk viewing, we're told Punk viewed putting Perry in a chokehold as a way to neutralize the situation. As as he's a trained fighter and does not want to have to fight Perry, no punches were thrown, as far as we know. Um, after the match, Punk is said to have headed to his dressing room to get changed. If you guys notice, he was escorted by security. Um, it is believed that Punk proposed the idea of leaving the venue, given the circumstances. He According left to report, on his Punk own accord, voluntarily, and later rendezvoused with some of the talent following the event. Now, after the incident, because Punk had a match, Perry was told to leave the building, and then Punk left voluntarily later. Is it reported yet that are they suspended, or are they suspected to be getting suspended? They're both they're both suspended now. That's the latest. 
I stand by what I said. Who the fuck are you? Because if he if he never went out there and said the thing that was clearly a direct shot at Punk, none of this would have happened. Why do you got to at least why now? Why do you got to poke the bumblebee's nest? There's a big wasp yellow jack nest up there. Do you think he feels taking, pr- taking at protected why? by his buddies from I PWG? Know. I don't know what, uh, dude. Here's the problem is Jungle Boy's homies with Tony Khan. Tony Khan loves CM Punk. Tony Khan's a fan of wrestling and young and is not going to put the hammer down on the, any of these guys. Like, there's no way. That's the that's the issue. Like they clearly you, don't have... If you had respect for your boss or fear of your job, you would not go out there and say that shit. You just wouldn't. So if you didn't think there would be any repercussions. There's also the part about you know. Punk threatening to quit after this. Or I guess right before he went out, too. I did see that. Yeah. Which would have been a mess if that happened. They, they have something extremely wrong backstage. They need... Dude, I don't know what they need. They need a therapist or security people or HR or something, dude. HR. I. That's what I'm saying. Like I they need like a. They need something. A AW therapist backstage. They're like, all right. So what's the problem now? And then they just like vent and talk their problems out rather than like yelling at each other. Okay, so we were talking about CM Punk while he did open up the show with Samoa Joe um, for the real AW World Championship. Um, winner was CM Punk. I thought it was a really good opener. I was, I think, I was watching it with Tim. Tim, you were surprised that Punk opened up the show. I thought that was surprising, and I thought the finish was surprising. Did he win? How did he win? It was. It wasn't uh, a uh, Pepsi plunge. A pl- Pepsi oh, plunge that's right. off the yes. top rope. It was a. Yeah, I forgot that when we were watching that, uh, you were kind of surprised that that he did that off the top rope. Um, yeah, Punk won. I mean, I think we all kind of expected him to win. Um, and I thought it was a good opening contest. Unfortunately, you know, I thought that I want to start by saying I thought the show overall. Jeremy had texted us. I thought the show overall was the best AEW review I've seen in a long time. Thoughts, Tim? Would you agree? I thought it was a great card, but, you know, it's hard to say. It's like, are we only saying that because there were so many people there? But I did think it was a good show. Well, what? before we continue with the matches, I told you that the way it was filmed and everything just felt different and it felt more professional. I hate to compare it to say... It felt like it was like it felt like it was filmed like a WrestleMania, and whoever was doing the like filming or whatever or however it was, or maybe it was the cameras themselves, keep doing it because it just the quality just seemed better in my opinion. It was a it was shot it was a better shot show. I don't know who what they used or how they did it, but it just looked better. I agree with you. Um. So after that, our second official match of the card was Takeshka and uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson of Bullet Club Gold 
would end up defeating Kota Ibushi, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Adam Page when Takeshka would roll up Kenny Omega. Now, usually, I think if you listen to this podcast enough, it's not that I'm not a fan of six-man tags. and I'm not a fan of six-man tags in AEW because a lot of times you can't tell who the uh, legal man is. And was it this match? Tim JR just was saying some funny ass shit. Dude, I don't know if you can remember. The funniest. He he just would say stuff like he'd be like, you know, the ref can disqualify people, and then he'd be like, I have no idea who the legal man is at this point. I think and he was like, like funny. There like, was like, who's the legal like, man? And JR was like, does it matter? Because <laughs> yeah, they were just JR, everywhere. Dude, JR is hilarious. Um, what do you think of this match? Uh, it was fine. I don't like six man. No, I thought I thought there were moments when it was just a one on one with people. Like every time that happened, like say Jay White and Kenny, or you know, yeah, there were some cool moments. I, I that's a great way to put it. There was like some one on one moments that I'm like, oh, this could be a cool like actual match. Not that it's not an actual match, but a cool singles. Yeah. Um. So I enjoyed it. I still think. I mean. If we're going through the lineup right now, CM Punk and Samoa Joe is the better of the two matches. But um, then we had a match that I know you were excited for: FTR uh, versus the Young Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championships. This was FTR. I thought this this was really good. No jokes. I'm not gonna make fun of the Young Bucks or say anything snarky. It was good. I liked it a lot. Well. When I was at your house watching it with you, um, I think I made a remark that is kind of like when I like the Bucks when they're having what feels like a regular wrestling match against well, people like, like FTR. After seeing after seeing it, it seems like they can do with the right team. They can do a real a, what I feel like is like a real wrestling match. But this is wrestling. Rat. But maybe they think it's boring or it's just not their jam. But they can do it, apparently. Um. So, uh, so this was supposed to be the rubber match between the two teams. FTR would end up defeating the Young Bucks and retaining their AEW Tag Team Championships. Um. Okay, next. Now, before I get into it, the pay-per-view started at 1 p.m. Me and Tim waited till we got together later in the night to watch it. Unfortunately, you know, I go to Tim's house. We hang out a little bit. We didn't get to start it till late. So we had to skip a couple matches, which I would end up uh, watching those skipped matches today. But at the time of watching this, me and Tim only saw like the first 15 minutes of Stadium Stampede, which is the next match we're going to talk about. I would end up finishing it. But... um I think Tim can talk about what he actually ended up seeing. So Sam Stampede was the best friends. Chuck Taylor and Trent Peretta teamed out with Orange Cassidy, Penta, and Eddie Kingston against Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castanoli, John Moxley, Santana, and Ortiz. All right, Tim, what did you think of what you had seen so far 
or what you were able to catch of Stadium Stampede. Let's go through some of the things. Just... One, Trent Beretta got the shit beat out of him constantly in the first 15 minutes. They, they were yeah, we destroying were my man. <laughs> we were cracking, about, cracking up about that. Um, I'm not a fan of the spot that it seems seems to be prevalent on the indies lately that Moxley did with the skewers. Uh, with Penta. The skewers. Skewers sucks. in the head. I hate it. Um uh I'll just go over the other thing that bothered me during the match and it bothered Jeremy too. I'm not putting in words in his mouth, me and him talked about this before we started recording. It was there's stuff going on in the ring and then they do a split screen of other things. That's going on like backstage and stuff. It's it's too much to focus on. It, yeah, I felt like it was the least offensive. because there's so much stuff going on. Wrestling fan, I'm a fan and of. So real I feel bad for the people wrestling. that were in attendance that were like trying to watch, but then look up at a screen of something going on somewhere else. I will say, out of all the stadium stampedes, this was probably the one I liked the most. After watching the whole thing. CM Punk's like, whoa there, buddy. It was the least offensive. Uh, Orange Cassidy at one point. <laughs> at one point, uh, Orange Cassidy would grab a a bucket of probably fake glass since there's a whole glass debate going on. And he would wrap duct tape <laughs> he would grab duct tug tape and wrap it around his, his wrist and hand, but it would be sticky side out. And he took the duct tape and he smashed on the glass to make the glass stick to the duct tape, I, which was kind of a cool I, spot. But I haven't. Um, the, I believe that's how he would get the win in the end. Get the new deal switch on punching, in a while. Uh, Claudio, and he would end up pinning Claudio yeah, with needs, it. But, you know, the there was barbed wire. There was a, a spot with Penta doing a sunset flip. Um,. To oh god, I think Santana threw tables off of a ladder. Um, I didn't hate it. Let's say that I usually hate the Stadium Stampedes, which apparently now Tim is a new mode that just got added to Fight Forever. Since you are the one of the three of us that actually owns the game, you can do a Stadium Stampede match, run around a football field. <laughs> Tony Khan talked about it during the press conference or the media scrum afterwards. He talked about the uh, the new addition to the game. Um, so best friends Orange Cassidy, Penta, and Eddie Kingston would end up uh, getting the win because Orange Cassidy would end up pinning Claudio. Um, again, didn't hate it. I just thought there was things that that like the camera stuff and the in the split screen like. That could have made it, you know, just a little bit less of a headache. The spots were the spots. Um, it's just whether you're, you either like that stuff or you don't. You know, that's your uh, opinion to decide whether it's good or not. Um, okay, so after that, we had a fatal four-way match for the AEW Women's Championship. It was Britt Baker, Hikaru Shida, the reigning champion, Tony Storm, and Soraya. Um... Soraya would end up coming out to We Will Rock You by Queen. Queen, obviously, or not obviously, but if you know, is from England. Um, 
Tim would make the comment when Soraya came out is Jesus, how much might how much money did they pay for this song? <laughs> so this fatal four way, um again I was talking again with this Jeremy texted us listeners and he again went away. He doesn't think he's going to be back, so me and Tim are just going to continue the show, just the two of us. But before the show started, I was talking to Jeremy about this match. Um, and we both agreed. Do you believe That's all you get. Because we're not talking about the Judgment Day. Um... But me and Jeremy agreed this match could have been a this match could have been a little bit longer this women's fatal four way but I thought it was good. Uh, Tim, what did you think of the the women's match? I'm usually, I'm big not a big fan of fatal four ways. Paige's uh, or Paige Soraya's Soraya's family would get involved at one point, and obviously she comes from a big wrestling family. I think most people know that. She also, her entrance uh, involved her entire family. But Soraya would end up winning the title. Um, and she did it in her home country. She did it after having a um, career-ending injury. So, um, good for her, you know. Happy for her. I think she was my prediction to win because out of everyone in the match, she was the only one that hadn't been champion yet. Um, some of the story in the match was her and Tony Storm not getting along. Uh, Tony Storm would end up accidentally punching Soraya's mom, and that would kind of be the catalyst for um, them to start fighting at one another. Ruby Soho would try to get in between them, but uh, to no avail. And yeah, Soraya would end up winning. I thought everyone looked pretty good in the match. Um, and yeah, congrats to Soraya. Um, then we had Darby Allen and Sting defeating Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. This was probably my least favorite match on the show. Um, there was just not that it was bad. I just I was watching. There was nothing that did it for me. Um, I I watched it today. He is killing himself. He actually looked pretty good in this match, though. Darby Allen is the one. Um, he did a coffin drop on, it was supposed to be two swerve coffin drop from the turnbuckle to the outside of the ring while swerve was laying on the coffin swerve moved and Darby would smash onto the coffin on his back. And this wasn't like the wooden flat coffins like WWE used to use back in the, this is like a real coffin and that thing just dented dude and did no give. He just flat backed onto it. Um yeah, it was it was just not pretty. But yeah, like I said, Darby and Sting would end up winning. It was probably not probably my least favorite match, though I didn't hate it. It's just in comparison, if I had to pick one. Um this next match I think we Gee. were pl- so yeah, claiming claim Billy Gunn please defeated finish, the house. <laughs> please finish this. Claiming Billy Gunn ended up defeating the House of Black for the AEW Trios Championships. Uh, good match and good happy for them. All right, main event was MGF and Adam Cole. Gee. My personal favorite match on the card. Um, would you agree, Tim? 
this I thought the story was great. The back and forth of who's the heel, who's the baby face, you know, not being able to decide whether you're, they're going to do whatever it takes to hurt their quote unquote friend. Um, MJF would end up winning with a roll up, I believe, and defeating Adam Cole to retain. Uh, they would hug it out in the end and hold up their ROH championships as well as MJF's championship um, over their head. Tell me what you thought about uh, the match. It was excellent. I love the storytelling. We were talking about at different points where like they're definitely trying to go for like a bloodline level like emotional story. They're trying to get like that involvement. Um, I thought it was a great match. I think the right person won. <clears throat> uh, I like the story that they told. Thought it was a little back and forthy. Well, you know, it was like, is he gonna turn? Is he not gonna turn? Is I was just like, all right, it was a little much, but it was good. It was really good, and uh, yeah, I'm glad a uh, MJF still has the title. I think he still should be the champion. Well, that wraps up uh, all in. Um, we were gonna do predictions for payback and all out, but since we're having we're having a lot of technical difficulty, guys, you won't be able to know all of them because Jeremy's gonna edit the hell out of this episode. But it's been really hard to get through. Um, and so I I want Jeremy's input if we were gonna do predictions. But next week we will be covering payback and all out. So it's going to be a packed episode. Hopefully uh, we can get through it a lot smoother. But thank you for staying with us for the past two years, Guys. especially if you've been starting from the beginning um, with us in this journey. We really appreciate it. But, Tim, uh, take us out. No, nah, I just wanted to say thank you. Like the, the past two years has been so fun, and we've had a lot of funny episodes. Uh, we got bro coming back for episode uh, 100. That'll be exciting in uh, in a few weeks. I think it's in like three or four weeks. So that'll be really cool. Um, yeah, I'm. you know, we're happy to be doing this show, happy to be, uh, you know, doing it every week and happy to have the listeners that we do. And we appreciate you all so much. Hopefully you've laughed along the way and you'll get some more laughs in the future. Guys, please, if you know, if, if you have a friend that likes wrestling and likes indie podcasts, we are we are fully a DIY podcast. You know, when people talk about like like punk rock and like hardcore, like I mean, if there was a podcast version of that, like we're fully we do this by ourselves. It's fully funded, like by us. It's our our, our time. Uh, we wanted to grow into more, but we we are very thankful for the people that do listen to the show every week and uh, you're the reason why we keep doing it but I also love hanging out with these two goobers well guys uh, there's no classic show of the week this week um, I would say just go on YouTube and or not YouTube but go on Peacock go on YouTube look up Bray Wyatt look up Terry Funk watch their work be in all of it and uh, keep loving pro wrestling, and we will see you next week. So 98. Take care.